G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners and welcome back to another very special episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast where we talk all things training, nutrition, psychology to optimize your performance. Today, I am joined by a very special respectable guest that I could not even put into words how appreciative I am that he's here. Eric Bastillo from the ISSN. He is a dietitian. He is a registered dietitian studied in the field of dietetics and nutrition. He is a founder or director, coach of O2X Performance. Uh, one of the nutrition specialists of O2X Human Performance. Nutrition specialist. Mate, Thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, an absolute honor and privilege to have you on here because we are going to ramble and talk some shit and talk some BS and cover some myths and you'll cop a lot of my Australian humor and hopefully we get some of yours. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see kind of where the the myths intersect between Australia and America and, and uh, what's like a global misconceptions and things that we'll get into. For sure. I'm sure that there's, there's uh, plenty of overlap there because, uh, as far as bs goes i think there's no limits to the bs that that we could experience so the uh it's something we talk on so like so this is my personal uh our our personal business podcast we have another one with a colleague um that brooklyn's already talked to you about in terms of like you know us us doing a bit more interaction together um and we we have a separate podcast uh bros of brains and we talk all the time about um the polarization and the the camps and the hypersexualization of just absolute bs that we have in this game so there's going to be a shit ton for us to kind of dive into and explore i'm sure for sure without a doubt and you know it's not to get too much into it yet but there's i have this like inner conflict because i'm like yeah there is so much bs but sometimes i wonder i'm like do the people know that they're putting out this bs like is it intentional yeah. Or do they have the best intentions and they think yeah. that this is actually the best way to do it, you know? So yeah. it's, a, it's a tricky space to navigate sometimes. That's, that's one of the one of the, the very uh, premises that we kind of put in the podcast is, is, you know, are we assuming ill intent from these people or at least giving them the benefit of the doubt of positive intent with negligent impact or, uh, or execution kind of leads to a very uh, heavy conversation. But I mean, to get started, there's a plethora of, credentials here to cover and i was like to be honest it's gonna be easy to let you give me and everyone listening your background and how it all got started because you are at the top of the game of what we do so have at it for sure yeah so uh it was a beautiful sunny day uh about 36 years ago when i first came into this earth and uh that was when it all got started um (laughs) no i um uh i've been in the field for well over a decade now Mm -hmm. and um I'm a registered dietitian. I went to Florida International University. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some folks who may not know, uh, because I get this question quite often, what's the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, over here in the States, anyone can say that they're a nutritionist. You don't have mm-hmm. to have any sort of credentialing. Mm-hmm. You can literally just have had a transformation and you're a part of a pyramid scheme and I'm a nutritionist. Let me help you. Yeah. Um, so to be a dietitian, you actually have to go to school and learn about not just dietetics and nutrition and medical nutrition therapy, which is mm-hmm. extremely important, mm-hmm. um, but different coaching methods, psychology, mm-hmm. uh, understanding research and how to read research, potentially in yeah. some cases, even how to do research. 
Um, and then you have to apply to a highly competitive internship, get accepted into the internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a supervised program. Then you're shadowing under dietitians and you start getting your feet wet, so to speak, in the field. Yep. Um, and then once you finish your internship, which the internship is, mine was actually almost an entire year of extra work, just about. Um, wow. You finish the internship, you take your boards, uh, you pass your boards, and mm-hmm. then you just keep up with your accreditation and continue learning from there. Yep. Um, so I've been a dietitian for a while now, over 10 years. Uh, I am also a certified personal trainer, mm-hmm. which I've had that certification for a long time now, too, over 10 years as well. Um, you know, not too long ago, I'd say uh, we're going to come up on three years now. Uh, I got my master's in applied exercise science and sports nutrition. Oh, awesome. Um, and I, you know, I, I never planned to get my master's, but yeah. one day I was just kind of like, well, at least over here in the States, I, um, if I plan to, to teach mm-hmm. at the university level, which to me, I enjoy teaching and educating. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, I like it. So just in case, let me just get a master's. So I got my master's, um, I've also been involved with the ISSN, the International Society of Sports Nutrition, mm-hmm. for over a decade as well, uh, from attending the conference to helping run the actual conference. Um, this is my third year as the co-vice president of the ISSN, and it's, it's going to be my last year. So our, our annual conference is in June, June 15th to mm-hmm. 17th in uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, and I'm also a fellow of the ISSN. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, someone becomes a fellow of an organization when they've done something, uh, it depends on the organization. So in some cases, something that's just extremely remarkable, like, wow, they did, you know, some crazy research or something, mm-hmm. uh, or if someone has been just so innovative and even helpful in progressing the, the field and the organization forward. Um, so I was named the fellow, uh, several years back. Uh, I'm also a certified strength coach. Um, and I'm certified as a CrossFit coach as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a funny, a funny story because I used to talk so bad about CrossFit years <laughs> ago. Um, and you know, from time to time, I'll still, I'll still make fun of us CrossFitters. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just, I've fallen in love with, uh, the methodology and helping people progress mm-hmm. through their, their fitness, uh, uh, journey, uh, in utilizing, you know, CrossFit as well. So. That's a, a little bit of my, my credentialed background. It's a, a little bit, just a, just a smidge, a just a few things. <laughs> exactly. What, what do you think? I guess like, I guess just, just simply getting started, what drew you to nutrition and working with people? Like I know, I know my, my interest and in how I view nutrition and more of the holistic approach to coaching, I guess, where I, I help people physiologically, psychologically, nutritionally with their training and so I understand where I sort of get my kick from it, I guess, or what, what drove me towards it. But for yourself, with such a vast degree of, of credential certifications, like what drew you to it to get started? Um, you know, it, it's, it's a funny story because I, I don't particularly, I feel like I know when it happened. Um, but I think it kind of started before that m- moment. So the I, I, I always give my brother credit because he mm-hmm. kind of just, he suggested to me, he was like, Hey, why don't you become a registered dietitian? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, um, I was kind of like, I don't even know what that is. 
um, <laughs> or at least when he suggested it to me. And <clears throat> excuse me, I um I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I can help people make dietary changes and improve their their health and their their lifestyle, their performance. Awesome. I've always been into sports and I've always liked helping people. So even I don't know when I, I remember being in like middle school and high school and other friends coming to me like for advice and things. And I'm like, I'm, it's not like I'm, I know everything, but I guess I'm a good listener and I can give sound advice from staying within my realm of what I know and don't know. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of been a, a helper and an educator. Um, but when I was a child, my, my grandma, uh, she had type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. So watching her, uh, you know, read her blood sugar levels, inject okay. herself with insulin, um, and, and learning about how the nutrition impacted her, um, her health and her blood sugar levels and all of that. Um, I think that kind of planted the seed for me. Mm-hmm. I think that was, was what initially kind of started it. And then anything, everything just kind of went from there, you know, from playing sports to seeing how the, the human body can perform and then learning that nutrition has a huge impact on that. And I've always had a huge interest in anything like medical. Um, so to be able to combine the medical field as a registered dietitian and to be able to coach people and educate them and see them progress, um, whether it's through weight loss and physique enhancement or just their overall performance, mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of makes me tick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, um, it's, it's interesting how you've, you've touched on something where I'll say I've several coaches I've, dis- I've talked with, discussed with, interacted with, we all seem to have something of a sports background that's led us to wanting to help people optimize their life or be healthier or perform better. Like we, we cop a lot of slack in the sense, well, especially over here, the way we kind of look at say like rugby league is our kind of identity sport, if you will. We cop a lot of slack from being the the brain dead meatheads, you know, just the cannon fodder charge front, just run into each other basically and go head on. But the people that I find most driven to help or most driven to, to see other people succeed seem to have some form of sporting background where there was some sort of intense sport or team sport or performance-based sport where the, it's like it's encouraged something or tapped into something where we're kind of, I don't know, more excited to see other people succeed. You kind of grow up in that environment, that nature where you're like, there was something that made us better. What was it? Or we were training more, we were eating better. Or as a coach, our, our coach was giving us more strategy suggestions or whatever it was. And it's like that to us, we then carry to other people and we're like, you know what? I can see that in someone else. Or if you try this, this could work. Or if you try this, this could work. And it just, it's just something that I've seen now in several, several conversations I've had where we all seem to have some form of like highly sport background that's led to where we are now for sure and on top of that i mean what what did we all have in participating in those sports at least one coach yeah right so then the uh, safe to say for me my coach has had a huge impact in my life you know uh not from just like learning the game or how to run like in track and field or in american Mm -hmm. football um or in, in, in basketball and those things, but uh, like coach Johnson, my track and field coach in high school, this guy, he's, he's 
I think he plays, he has played a larger role in my life than he even knows. And I stay in touch with him. Um, but yeah, from setting a foundation early on for training in my life mm -hmm. and helping people do things from a physical standpoint. Um, and even from a nutrition standpoint, he would bring us, he was like, before track practice, he was like, Hey, during lunch, if you guys, you know, want a little something, come by my office. And he would give us like applesauce and like peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, just to make <laughs> sure we were eating enough kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important for people to have coaches also. Mm -hmm. I always say it's not, it's not necessary for everybody. In some cases, it might be necessary for people to have a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, but having a coach is just, it's, it's such a, it could be a game changer for people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, it's something that, that, you know, that all the different realms of life we have, I find for, for some reason, people seem to think like, and it's not even a disrespect to them. It's just this weird assumption of knowledge if you will because it's not even a, a call to authority it's not even a, an assumption like a, an appeal to authority or anything like that when we have like you know financial woes we don't go oh, i'll just figure it out when we go when we have engineering problems with our car mechanical issues with our car our house is structurally damaged we don't go oh we'll figure it out there's someone we outsource to and say hey come in and help us out like i want you to fix this or fix me or help me budget better help me stop expanding my income so much you know, why am I doing this? How do I cut back on drinking or yada, yada? But for, uh, for a lot of people, they don't see the benefit of what we can provide and how we are so passionate about providing it. But yet it can make such a vast difference. Like the, the people I've worked with, like some of my most exciting clients aren't even prep bodybuilders or elite performers. They're, you know, I've had grown men 40 years old that I've assisted in cutting back from four cards of alcohol a weekend to none. And you get those behaviors. You're like, I've, we've just added... 20 years to your lifespan for you to be that father, grandfather, great grandfather, you know, worker, industrious, more creative, more excited. Like I get as excited about that as I do watching my 2% body fat bodybuilders get on stage. And it's like, you're, you're missing out on people that are, can have such a big impact on you because not all of us are trying to take your money or run you through a scam or, you know, like we said, we can get into that shortly into like the BS around most of us that are, genuinely educated or chasing education or continually upskilling where the same as like the chippy that comes in and wants to fix your house or the mechanic that wants to fix your car or you know the financial planner wants to help you save money we want to see you succeed or improve or fix something like it's just such a like you said not everyone needs it but i, I genuinely think a lot of people miss out or lose out on by not engaging with what we do or can help with for sure Without a doubt, it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, it can be a tricky subject because with nutrition, we we view nutrition through this lens of fat loss, weight loss, yes. mm -hmm. and we forget that nutrition plays a role in so many other things. And when it comes to fitness, I think people view fitness through that same lens that it's like, I got to work out to lose fat, to lose mm -hmm. weight. And there's so much more to it. And that's just one piece of the puzzle because, you know, when people have a coach guiding them in the right direction, I mean, it, it can make the world of a difference. Mm -hmm. And like you said, people hire, you know, you can call a mechanic, a financial planner, a, you know, whatever else um, to do a job on something that this person needs with nutrition is quite interesting because, uh, and you've probably said this before and heard it a bunch of times as well, but everybody eats. Mm -hmm. So everyone is going to have 
some kind of an opinion. Everyone reads yeah. on the internet. Everyone yeah. knows someone. Yeah. Um, and what ends up happening there is that they kind of mistake uh, experience for expertise. Yes. Um, and not to say that their experience is invalid, mm-hmm. um, but just because you eat or just because you know someone who went through, you know, X diet, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they're qualified to guide someone through it. And I'm not saying that they can't because they, they probably can if they've mm-hmm. gone through it. You know, experience sure is a great teacher. Yes. Um, but it also doesn't make someone a great teacher at yes. always, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, one, one thing I, one thing I've noticed most, I guess, in my coaching practice is so my, my background of education current study is uh, behavioral psychology or clinical psychology, majoring in clinical psychology of behavioral science. And that has had more of a profound impact on my clients and how I approach coaching and how I diversify my communication and my coaching skills because a lot of like a lot of people don't realize the the psychosocial impacts that nutrition has, that social environments have, that socioeconomics have in what we know about nutrition, how we've learned nutrition, what's available for nutrition, where we shop, where we buy, what we're marketed to, like all these different things that that psychology plays a role in that people don't grasp. They just think, oh, uh, why am I getting a nutritionist or a PT? He's just gonna make me eat chicken and broccoli, or he's just gonna make me do XYZ, and this is all I get. The 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 thing I found most insightful is actually finding a client psychology and looking into their head and kind of, you know, looking at behavior change models, looking at motivational language, looking at how we talk to them, looking at how we get them to buy in and how they overcome objections and overcome their own biases to get that next step. And, you know, it might be as simple as like, I've had clients that would refer to past traumas in childhood where they were abused or beaten by a parent because they didn't have uh, finish their veggies on their plate or they didn't finish their food on their plate. So they have these hangups as they would come work with me around, oh, I just don't eat greens because it makes me sick because a lot when I did it, you know, as a kid, this would happen. I was like, well, you know what? You know, what can we get into your diet that's a bit nutritionist, like a nutritional? What can we get in that's a bit more, you know, a bit more on the nutritional spectrum than just like chicken and rice or just, you know, a, a piece of bread and some ham. Let's get something in that's a bit more nutritionally dense for us to actually get some health out of it. And all of a sudden their whole life, their their mental cues were, were switched by just looking at the smallest possible change or what's, you know, not this ultimate pressure of it's got to be chicken and broccoli, or it's got to be broccoli and spinach and cabbage every single day. Like I want to like, I'll work with you and your head and where you're at. And then we can, you know, from there we can progress it forward and make better changes as we go on. That to me, again, is like more rewarding side around the psyche of a client than just saying, here's your bro bodybuilder diet. Don't get me wrong those diet types work for a lot of people where you're just like, we just want rigid simplicity and just want to eat the same food, but getting those clients that can psychologically move through the behavior change process and see the benefit of something they didn't think about in the past, that has made a bigger impact for me with my clients than just going, Oh, I can help you lose 20 kilos. That's just a deficit. For sure. The, the psychological component, the, the history of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you worded it greatly. There's a, there's so much that goes into it all. Essentially, what we're trying to do is help people change and, and reprogram habits. That's a, a big part of everything. Um, and we have to get into the psychology oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And to be a coach, you're, you, you have to be an a unofficial psychologist yeah. uh, oftentimes, you know. Um, 
or an official psychologist, right? Like, you know, whatever it is, but there's a, there's definitely something to that and, and history, family history, medical history, past traumas that haven't been navigated, like all of those things play a huge role. And how do we navigate that? You know? Yeah, exactly right. Like where's the, where's the line, I guess, of, you know, knowing where the, the burden is or knowing what I can work with or how I can make suggestions without overstepping bounds or triggering issues. But at the same time, like, how can I get you to make these changes for the best of your benefit that, you know, I want you to succeed and actually reach that level. It's going to require you to do some things that are uncomfortable, but we can step towards it, tiptoe towards it. Not so much, you know, over here, there's a really big influencer coaching scene where it's like, I have no care for the client. It's just simply, I've got X thousands of followers buy my program see you later and the amount you yeah. hear where it's just like meal one is fish and this veg and this and meal two is this and this and this. and it's like all templated mapped out if you don't eat it you're a pos get off my scene don't talk to me i want nothing to do with you because like, you're not going to get a result reality is now we're the ones who have to come in and kind of correct that experience or you know make up for it because they've had such bad experiences with what they think is a coach reality is we wouldn't refer to that as a coach there's just someone taking advantage and we've got to come in now and kind of hyper correct that experience. Say, look, that isn't how it works here. Like the, the amount of light bulb moments I get with a client where they can have ice cream or crumpets or pancakes or cereal, like my bodybuilders. And I'm like, Hey, you've got 800 grams of carbs a day to eat. Some of that can probably come from some cereal or some LCM bars or some muesli bars or some lollies before training. They're just like mind blown because all I've had yeah. in the past is like, it's got to be oats and potato and rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine having to uh, kind of de-learn and deconstruct what people believe and show them something new. But that's that, that comes with the territory, you know? It, it does, right? It does. It's one of those, like, sometimes like, I wish I could just be ignorant. But at the same time, it's like, it's bliss. But is it really what I would want to do? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because there's uh, uh, obviously the, that saying of... Uh, Ignorance is bliss, um, but I like to say, I don't know. It's maybe ignorance is just ignorant, you know. Like, at, at, at what point do we recognize, like, you know, things aren't right, maybe, and they could be better, even if it takes some work, you know? Yeah, exactly right. Like, one of the one of the biggest premises I have with my clients, like, don't don't get me wrong, my the entire existence of what I wish to study in clinical psychology and performance psychology is how to take people and have them op uh, operate as an elite performer, even in their own life, whatever the world is that you exist in. And you could be a mother of two. You could be a dad of the SAS. You could be, you know, a pro bodybuilder. I want you to operate at the highest performance echelon that you have available to you. And how can we make that happen? And that to me is like the, you know, one of the cool things that, that psych enables me to do. Um, but it's like, even across all our realms of client, I get to kind of, you know, play with that, I guess, if you will, where, where we're not just treating just the pro bodybuilders, not just treating just the, just the elite athletes. It's, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of all of our clients, the general client, the, the general person just wants to get better. We're correcting things where we're kind of stepping in here and saying, Hey, look, you can be better. Why aren't you trying to be better? Or, you know, maybe that's a bit too much of an aggressive phrasing of it, but you can be a better, like, you know, you can be a better person. You can operate at a high level here. You've set the bar so low for yourself, but just because my bodybuilders are doing this doesn't mean you can't. You don't have to be a bodybuilder to want to be healthier, stronger, fitter, you know, be more accurate with your nutrition, be better with your training intensity. Like 
when I can get people at, at the, the gen pop level, think like that to me, I'm like, I'm not trying to make you a neurotic obsessed robot. I just want you to see that you have a high level to operate on. You know, the world's told you you're kind of here and this is the, the low tier, if you will, like, you know, you're okay here. I want you to, like, I think you can be here. You can be operating a whole other level, not just in your training, but in your nutrition, your lifestyle environments, sleep routine. And when they get there, it's like, that to me is like a, a fucking, I could not even put into words how, how good that feels when that sort of happens. And it's like, I've taken someone who, who thought they had a cap and they had a ceiling and we've just broken through it and they're at a whole other level. For sure. And then from there, they just kind of, uh, they feel unstoppable in a way. Yeah. Um, which is, which is great because they can kind of build off of that momentum. Um, but you know, sometimes like you, you were, you were kind of mentioning like, Oh, you had said something and you were kind of like, Oh, that might be a, a bit of an aggressive way of saying it. But I think, uh, in, in us talking about it, we can talk about it. However, yeah, but what really matters is how do we tell the, the, the patient or the client? Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know? So it's, uh, am I utilizing motivational interviewing? Am I using like my emotional intelligence skills and communication skills and all of that and then to help someone break through a barrier is just it's it's funny because it's like it's kind of selfish as someone's you know as someone's dietitian as someone's coach as someone's trainer um but it just feels it's like we feel good seeing somebody else feel good you know yeah 100% like for me and I'm, I'm sure even with like your your elite like military athletes and your your elite uh, performance athletes i'm a similar way when it comes to like my bodybuilders and stuff like that like i get more like i've been on stage i've competed I, i've won like minor titles in australia i get more excited for my clients that i see coming into shows or coming into season where i'm like holy shit this is the best you've ever looked i get a kick out of i'm like we did this like this you look like this you're about to do this we did this together like that's me i'm sure you're the same way when you look at like the you, know, you work with those elite military teams you're like you guys have gone from this to this as an elite you know paramilitary special forces you know police defense force whatever it is that you do like they're already at a high level but we get to see them go to that next level and you're just like that's so good yeah yeah it's, it's, it's always gratifying to see them uh just push a little bit more um is how do you take someone who's already elite at the top of the top and, you know, make them a little bit better. And sometimes it's just a, a very small thing that kind of helps do that. Um, and then sometimes even with, with um, whether it's firefighters or police officers um, or even top military guys and girls, it's like they, uh, they're also subject to poor nutrition information. Um, so even just, you know, changing one little thing about their perception, uh, makes a big difference, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Like, just, I think it, it, it runs, it runs the spectrum, right? Like it runs the whole level. Like if we, if we put say, you know, gen pop to elite athlete on a spectrum, if you will, just being able to do that with anyone, I find it just, it runs a whole other level. Like when you can see that, that whatever level they're at, that next level of knowledge click and you kind of, uh, you know, you get to that point where just simple things like um, so prescribing or suggesting like, hey, if you if you love Coke or you love drinking cola and you have that four times a day, what if we swap into a Pepsi Max or a Coke Zero or a Diet Coke and all the, or a diet beverage? And they're just like, I can do that. You're like, yeah, you can. Yep. Sometimes it's the simplest things that make like, a big yeah, difference. Just, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's little things like that to me that just just get like, 
exciting, I guess, when you're, regardless of the level, when there's a, a breakthrough of knowledge, when it comes to something, because I guess to us, it, it can come across so simple, right? It can come across so mundane and easy. Like we just, oh, you're not having enough protein. Like how are you not getting more chicken in or how are you not, not having enough, you know, beef or salmon or fish or more eggs or, you know, you're, you're consuming this much liquid calories. Why don't you have a ice Americano or why don't you have a Pepsi Max? Like to us, it's so simple and it seems so mundane. But when you can get someone who's never thought it before and they catch it and they get it and you're just like, that's good. That's, that's exciting. For sure. And again, it's just the small changes, the little things that can make a huge difference. But to us, because we're in it, we're in it all the time. We've learned about it. It's our expertise and all these things. It just comes so normal and natural where I find myself having to remind myself, like, wait, hold on. They, they don't know this. You know, some people don't even know what foods are examples of protein. Um, you know, so that's, that's something that it's, uh, it's always important to, to keep at the forefront of our mind. The, the educational piece is so important. Like, uh, I'll never forget. I was giving a, a, a presentation one time and it was like a community presentation and it was uh, a lower income neighborhood area, mm-hmm. uh, down here, uh, around where I live. And I, I asked the group to give me an example of uh, protein foods, right? Because we were kind of talking about like, you know, maybe some people don't even know what protein foods are. And to us, it just comes so natural because yeah. we're in it all the time. And the gentleman said uh, rice. And I use this as an example because there's this discussion. Sometimes it's an argument where people say obesity is a choice. Mm-hmm. And then other people say, no, obesity is not a choice. Um, but I use this example because education is such an important part Mm -hmm. of someone's foundation and everything. And even for us in educating people and helping them change their lives, reminding ourselves that they don't know what, in some cases, they don't know what the difference between a protein, a carb and a fat. Um, because here I am asking for a gentleman to give me an example of a protein and he named a a pr- predominantly a carbohydrate. Yeah. There, there, there is some protein in rice and yeah. there are yeah. rice protein powders and whatever, but I can assure you this gentleman did not know that. Yes. Um, so then that's where the educational piece came in and the, the aha moment of, Oh wait, not everyone knows that chicken is going to be the example of protein, right? Yep. This gentleman thought it was right. So imagine if I, if I just leave there and say, Hey, make sure you guys start eating more protein. And he's packing himself up on rice and not getting enough actual mm-hmm. protein, then what ends up happening? You know, is there malnutrition in some way, shape or form or overconsumption of just carbohydrates and not enough protein? And so, you know, reminding ourselves that we're, we're so close to it and these people are coming to us for help. Then how can I help them understand yeah. these things? You know, one of the things I find over here, I'm not sure, like, I feel like we're just going to touch across the entire chat of just different BS we hear, but I'm not sure if over there it's as bad, but over here, one of the things I find is like content creators or coaches, if you will, like educated coaches, we, we get caught up in putting out content to other coaches. It's like a, a, almost like a dick flex, if you will, for you know, lack of a better word about who knows more of the nuances of like the mitochondria and the Krebs cycle. And what does pyruvate do? This is like, yeah, this is cool. But who the fuck is this helping? Like to be as blunt as possible about it. Right. Like, if you're a coach and your audience is other coaches, great. Like you're like, hey, you know what? This is how, this is the powerhouse of the cell. This is what energy is. This is what ATP is. Good stuff. Great. Let's talk about beta oxidation. Fantastic. But if your audience is like, you know, 
you're looking to coach or enhance general populations or the more general person who simply just needs to know more, is your content, is your education, is the stuff you're putting out serving your ego and trying to battle the flex with other coaches? Or is it actually getting to the people you want to talk to? Because, you know, it's, I find it so frustrating over here sometimes. Like we've, we bicker and I see it all the time in like bodybuilder arguments and things like that. Like, you know, 20 to 40 grams spaced out every four to five hours, four to five times a day, like all this sort of, you know, the real nuances that, yeah, sure. If you're just working with elite bodybuilders, fantastic. How many of the population are elite bodybuilders where that's optimal and, and matters? How many other people just need to know what the fuck a protein is or what a carbohydrate source is? Or you say cut back on fats because they're more calorie dense. How do they even know what a calorie is before even worrying about what a fat is? Like I... I wrote some content recently where it was literally just, you know, explaining the the failure or the shortcomings of the calorie inverse calorie out model. And not in the sense that it's not a first principle because it is obviously energy balance and thermodynamics, but it's more so when you leave the statement at energy inverse energy out and people don't even know what the fuck energy is. Like, wait, calories are food. How is it energy? Like you've, we've already left the conversation so broad where people are just more confused because you've just said that. And that's where we're left talking. But you have people that are listening or following you that are you know, coming for education and they have no idea what a calorie is. They have no idea what a protein source is. They don't even know why some carbs are bad and some are good, that obviously they're not good or bad. It's just they've had a friend tell them to stop having lollies. They don't know that all our glucose molecules break down to sugars at the lowest form anyway. They don't know these things, but we're sitting here, you know, dick measuring about who can talk the deepest complexity of beta oxidation or the Krebs cycle, or, you know, what's the best method of ice bathing to get the most amount of return for recovery processes. And is it, there's times to me where it just gets frustrated. I'm not sure if it's that bad over there. And I could ramble on this for an hour, but where it's just like the, the overflex of knowledge, but it's not serving anyone. It's just serving your ego. And if our job is to, you know, I do predominantly work with a lot more elite people, and I'm sure, you know, you work a lot with elite people as well, but we also have general clients who just want to learn and know better about nutrition and not diet 50 or, you know, improve some protein consumption and get more veggies in. Like that needs to be more of the direction of our, our discussions than just trying to debate about who knows more about, you know, the cross bridge section of a muscle fiber. For sure. And you, you, you said the, the exact word that was running through my mind. Uh, and it's, it's ego, you know, yeah. <clears throat> ego is oftentimes hard to, to combat. Um, you know, I, I think it's easy for us to look around, look everywhere, criticize and critique. Oftentimes the hardest place for us to look is in the mirror, Yeah, you know, and then it, it's, it's challenging because if your ego is not you know, controlled in a way, mm -hmm. um, it can be hard to say, I don't know. Yep. You know, uh, even though, and I think that it comes, I'd like to think that it comes from the best places yeah. where people have the best intentions mm -hmm. to want to educate as much as possible, but then getting lost in these nuances, um, like talking about muscle fibers or Krebs cycle, mm -hmm. um, when in reality it's, highly unnecessary mm -hmm. um but i think we get caught up in wanting to sound smart um yes and and it is important to educate but then it's like am i really serving 
the the population that mm-hmm. I'm I'm working with? Am I serving them well? Um, ego, ego is hard. It's yeah. sometimes it's okay to just kind of say, hey, you know what? I don't I don't know that, but let me look it up for you. I can find it for you, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I teach that to a lot of my students. Uh, as being a dietitian, I I'm a preceptor for students, so I, I'm I'm a, a mentor for them and whatnot. So one of the biggest things that I say is, you know, just ego is a bitch, you know, just yep. leave it at the door and, and try to help these people in an unbiased way as best as you can, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the most powerful things a coach would say Excuse me. to, to acknowledge that we don't know because you like, you know, if we, if we look across fields of different spectrums, I don't go to a general, like I drive a Mazda. I don't go to a general Mazda mechanic and say, can you give me the nuts and bolts of a Ferrari? Like I, I'm not going to come to you if you can't tell me about that, or I'm not going to have you fix my Mazda because you can't tell me how the, you know, Mrs. Mr. Schmidt engine works from 1945. Like if you can't tell me that, well, I'm not coming to you. Like there's never a time where I do that and expect someone to know in another field what they don't know. And so, but when, as coaches, for some reason, we can't sort of put that lens on and go, well, you know, it's, it's perfectly okay to say, I don't know. This person isn't expecting me to know everything. They've asked a question because they potentially don't even know where to look. I do know where to look. Give me 48 hours. I'll get back to you. I enjoy research. I enjoy learning. I enjoy looking things up or challenging myself. You've brought up something I don't know. I'm going to go figure it out. And you'll never have someone more than me that will hyper fixate on something in the next 48 hours to get you the best answer I can. And I'll reach my network of whoever's in my next three degrees of separation. I'll find you the answer or the research to get the answer or a some form of answer and then leave it up to you to break it down. But being able to say, you know what, as a coach and an educator and a mentor, I still don't know. It's not something I focused on, but I will go check it out. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a skill in and of itself to be able to, to say that and do that because we want to have all the answers. We want to save the world in the snap of a finger, instant gratification, you know, instant solutions. Um, but that's not always the case. And Something else that I, uh, I I mentioned to my students is we we're never going to know everything. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's okay to pursue learning mm-hmm. as much as we possibly can, mm-hmm. but even in our respective field, we're not going to know every single yeah. thing, um, and we have to be okay with that, you know, because that I think can help keep our ego in check. Oftentimes, as as long as we're willing to accept that, you know, hundred percent. I think it's. I think it's the curse of anyone that seeks intellectual growth is that we will forever chase knowledge that we'll never completely own. And there will always be a, a new phrase or a new term or a new trend or a new potential idea. And uh, like Dr. Peterson talks about, you know, being in the psychology realm that I am, I love the when he, when he puts things in the right phrase, approach someone or listen to someone with the intent, they have something to teach you or that you don't know. And so to me, like when I, when I hear someone come from a trend or even in bodybuilding, when, they, when we, we see such obscure drug protocols and health protocols that people just are willing to do, it used to be in my head, I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Why the fuck is he doing that? Now I kind of take the approach of like, okay, what could it serve? What is the potential for this? Why might it work in that person? Or, you know, what were they hoping the outcome was? And you try to deconstruct it back from that. And, you know, the same thing when I see really weird diet prescriptions or, fixations on things like, you know, going keto or this trend or cult end of the day, we both know that it's the deficit that matters and how you got there is just the the vehicle by which it was facilitated and you arrived at the destination. But 
you know, what was the reasoning behind why someone got into it or discussed it or shared it? Maybe this person just doesn't know any better and a friend of a friend told them and it helped them lose weight. So now they're doing the same thing or this gastric bypass or this sleeve or this drug helped their friend of a friend or mom's auntie's uncle. And so they thought the same thing. That to me is like being able to look at that and go, you know what? I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. Perhaps someone has something to teach me here that I, I wasn't aware of or that there was a benefit to. And I can potentially implement that or take that understanding and apply it to my practice. For sure. Most definitely. And in what can I learn? How many different things can I learn? What don't I know? And then being able to grow as a professional, as a practitioner from there, um, because it's we can learn so much from even people who aren't in the field mm-hmm. from their experiences, you know, um, there's, there's plenty to learn and there always will be, you know? Yeah. I, I, I look at it. I, I'm not sure about how you approach it, but to me, like one of the things that, that, that the, the matter education system wants to get into is in Australia, putting together the, an online Institute where we can confine education to a, a, a small, like a more compact, I guess you did it what's necessary, what needs to be known, what's relevant, what the research is saying, and also just kind of removing the, the lingo and the crap and the kind of, you know, the in-between. But the premise behind it is that I'm not going to be here forever. I want to leave behind something that makes a difference and shortchanges the, you know, we've come by standing on the shoulders of giants. I just want to increase the height that someone else can stand on board when I'm gone. That to me is like the entire point of human of of advancing human performance and human knowledge, education, research is that whoever comes after me in the field that I'm in, they have a better platform to leverage from now than I did when I started. Most definitely. Am I am I leaving something better than when I found it? You know, than when I first got here and whatever else. So that's uh, and and I I, I don't I, I I'm not gonna say that I think everyone approaches things that way. Um, but I think that just kind of talking about like misconceptions and myths and all of that, I think m- most of us have really good intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, just oftentimes either the information is wrong or their situation is wrong or, or you know, something along those lines, because uh, I'm sure over there, just like over here, we have um, plenty of people putting out poor information. So how do we correct that? How do we leave our field and our profession better uh, than when we first got into it? Am I really helping progress it forward or am I just contributing to the BS that's out there, you know? Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, how, how can we literally just make it a better place? How can we make it a better, like there's so much noise. And that was going to be one of the questions I kind of alluded to is, you know, the current state of social media and the, the vast expansion of social media how do you see, even in America, having the population density you guys have, the impact that social media has had on our field, given that you've been in it for, for so long, that kind of that in that interim expansion of social media and that reach, have you seen or, you know, it, it's going to take that premise that you hope people are doing it for the right reasons, but are you seeing social media be beneficial for dietetics, sports nutrition, nutritional intervention? behavior change or are you seeing a lot more too much bs that's kind of like we're kind of fighting uphill right we kind of get to put sometimes we're fighting uphill of the bs that does get out there but is it worth it yeah uh my answer my answer to that is just 
yes <laughs> both everything um <laughs> like legit there's there's just um uh i think it has helped our field out um social media i think that we um we're able to put out really good information mm-hmm. um but we know that with the good also comes the bad yeah so it's it's this it's it's so hard because we we have an excellent platform to educate and mm-hmm. put out the information that's going to help mm-hmm. and and make a big difference in people's lives now at the same time since i have the access to the platform and the internet mm-hmm. just about everyone else who can have access to it yeah. does and just like in anything um you know, there's, there's good and there's bad. There are amazing police officers. And then you're going to have those bad apples yeah. that, you know, everyone that make the news and then everyone thinks that police officers are horrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who are you calling when you're in an emergency? Yeah. I think we all know what, what numbers you're going to hit on that phone. Yeah. Um, we see, we hear about the doctor that, um, you know, did this, I don't know. It's like a, a money scheme, basically, mm-hmm. um, just because they're trying to make even more money. It's like you're a doctor, you're working with people, and you know, at what point is enough enough? Like, do you not have enough money? Then now you have to scam people. Um, so there's always the good and the bad in yeah. every profession, and that is just magnified times one million on the internet with social mm-hmm. media. I think that it has certainly helped and is a benefit for the dietetics field, mm-hmm. dietetics and, and nutrition. Um, but there's always going to be both. There's always going to be both sides, the back yeah. and forth. Um, because again, wherever there's, there's good, there's evil. And wherever there's evil, there's good. And uh, it just, it, it, I think the internet has just shown us m- more of what we just didn't see before. Yeah. Uh, and everyone and this is where ego also comes in because now not only are we seeing more information, more things, more this, more that. Um, but am I also just trying to get more popular? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'll even use myself as an example. There was a point in time with Instagram in particular where I was just so like, Oh, I got to get more followers. I have yeah. to get to that 10,000 number. Yeah. Um, how many likes am I getting on yeah. my, and then it, eventually I got to a point or part of my language, but I was, I was like, fuck that. I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be a slave to something like social media and other people's perception of me. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing to appeal to them? Yeah. Um, but imagine how many people stay in the, how many followers am I getting and mm-hmm. all of that? How many likes am I getting? There's things that I'll put, I, uh, how many followers do I have on Instagram? I think I have like, 8,000 or something along those lines. And, and I, I try to not pay attention. Um, mm-hmm. So what I had, at least now I, I, I try to. Um, and there's times when, because there was even a point in time when I was just taking off the like count on my posts. Yep. Just because, but then I was like, what am I even doing that for? Like, honestly, who cares? Yeah. Like, it's not important. Am I trying to hide a number? Am yep. I hiding it from myself or from other people? Am I going to be judged? I was like, forget that. I'm just going to leave it as it is. And I know that there's times when I'll get likes on a post that it's, I don't know, maybe like 
50 likes and there's other times that it might be like 300 likes Mm -hmm. and before i remember being the person that would judge an account and being like oh this person paid for followers because Mm -hmm. they have whatever nine thousand ten thousand followers and they have like 20 likes Mm -hmm. although at the time i think it was true and now there have been changes to the algorithm on instagram but it's like it just kind of goes to show what the heck was I even like, who cares that I was thinking so deep into it. Yeah. It's a comparison game. It's the ego. And yeah. again, getting full circle, there's always going to be good. There's always going to be bad. Yeah. And how can we, we, the people putting out good information. Cause I do think that I, I'm fighting the good fight. Yep. How can we continue to do it in a respectful way, mm-hmm. but at the same time, hopefully make more noise than the people who are, you know, on the bad team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, we, we've kind of got to that, I, I guess, assessment level for us was, was kind of like a, um, you know, we wanted to assess what is interactive with, not in the sense so much of like what got the most likes, but more so was it being saved as in like people found that interesting to read? Was it being shared or were people dropping comments on it? Because that was to me more indicative of, of interaction with what we were sharing that, you know, regardless of, and I've, I've sort of said this from day one, when we started Matter, I didn't care if one person listened to a podcast episode, if one person read a blog, if one person listened to my playlist song or read a post and said, hey, this made me change my day or change my intensity to life or intensity to training or my physique goals or my life ambition. If one person did that per episode or per post or per content, sweet. That to me was like, that's, that's, plenty that's someone somewhere has been impacted and from there they can change someone else or point them towards me but it was it was like you said you know it's never going to be as polarizing as as sexy as like being shredded year round and you know being three four five percent body fat posting all like the thirst trap content with a somewhat cliche motivational post i'm not going to sell as many clients on or, or potential followers on that but at the same time the ones who i know that come to what i give or what i put out genuinely must be interested in in true knowledge or at least what I hope is true knowledge or upskilling or education or just putting out something thought-provoking because we aren't chasing it just for clout. I'm just putting this out. I'm going to make you think. I'm going to make you question. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to make you you're probably insecure. I'm going to make you somewhat unconfident. Hit your ego a little bit. But at the same time, the point from that is to go, well, why did that hit my ego? Why did that make me insecure? Why did that make me challenged? Or what did I think I knew before I was following this account that now I know? So, you know, like you said, it's not about, it's not about when, I guess when we do it properly, it's not about just getting clout 24 seven or, you know, having a million followers because that's not indicative of us giving away good information. It's just that, you know, sure. If more people saw it, fantastic. But are we putting it out with the intention to help? Yeah, most definitely. And that's where it's this balancing act for me, at least where I'm like, a part of me would love to have however millions of followers Mm -hmm. because of the outreach obviously that that gives you access to help more people um however never at the cost of my mental health yeah yeah like uh, it's not gonna cross i'm not gonna cross that boundary where i once and it it didn't like ever drive me crazy in particular Mm -hmm. but i was just you know maybe obsessive maybe i'm using that too lightly but I was just so hyper-focused on, you know, am I getting more followers? And, yeah. you know, I got to make content, post something every single day. Um, where it got to a, 
where it got to a point where I was just like, nah, I, I'm going to pump the brakes and yeah, I still want to post educational things and, and all that. Um, but again, never, never at the cost of my, of my mental health. And, and I hope that other people can do that and, and manage it the same because we get so caught up with what's going on here yes. on our phone and in the internet and, and all these things that we forget about what's going on in here, mm-hmm. you know, in our heart, in our head. Um, and then I think we, we just kind of go chasing clout oftentimes. And it's like, we don't need to do that. Um, it's balancing that with balancing like, you know, did the post get shared? Did people like it? Like what you were mm-hmm. saying? Um, because if people are liking it now, it's like, all right, well, I'd want to post something that people are liking, gravitating towards learning from. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's almost balancing the, I, I want to focus on the numbers mm-hmm. with, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're trying to, at the end of the day, right? Like the, the number of followers is great, but at the end of the day where, well, I guess our priority is the people we are directly working with. Sure. The increased reach means we can help more people and reach more people, but as coaches, as nutritional coaches, as PTs, online coaches, strength coaches, our main priority, and this is something that I've always tried to preach to people that follow, like coaches that follow me or coaches that we work with, is that our main priority at the end of the day, regardless of level of reach, is the people that have our time because they've given us their money. And we've promised them an outcome or at least you know, enlisted them with the intent to get them an outcome, that this is what we're going to do. If all of our time is, is spent towards like, you know, we're playing the, you know, I find... I generally find if the, the coaches that have all that time to make all that trappy content, cliche content, I would like to look at how they're interacting with the coaches, the, the clients they have and how they're helping them. Unless you've got a team of people already building your content for you, you're just kind of sharing it. But if you have all that time for that clout content, that trap content, that, that clickbait, how much are you actually putting effort into your clients and really helping them with the behavior change or the lifestyles change or the elite performance that you promised? For sure. And that's, that makes me think of something else too. The, the content that we put out, all of this is time consuming mm-hmm. and something else that's time consuming and, and kind of energy. I'm not going to say energy consuming, but energy giving is the effort and time and energy that we put into our patients and clients. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this takes time and it's something that we are giving ourselves to these individuals to help benefit them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and hopefully we're doing that in the best way possible that benefits them, but also doesn't come at a negative cost to, to us. And again, the mental health component, the physical health component, you know, we shouldn't be losing sleep and missing out on meals and not training, Mm -hmm. um, and getting too much in our head and stressing out because we're helping other people Yeah. in an ideal scenario. I know that it happens. I've been victim of it before. Um, so, you know, I know that it, that it happens and we do that. Um, but hopefully we learn from that, you know, because we still want to continue to help people and put out good information and continue fighting the good fight. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I completely agree. Um, the, I guess the, the next part I would really love to explore. I'm not sure how much time you got, cause I could ramble forever, but I, I would love to uh, dive a bit more into getting into that elite performance with O2X is O2X performance. Am I saying that right? Yep. O2, O2X human performance. Yep. Yeah. So like, like, so from what I can see and what I've gathered from it, you guys are doing elite things with the elite performers being uh, military, defense, emergency services personnel, like across a spectrum of that realm. 
how did that come about and what got you kind of into that? Because that to me is like, again, that next level of, you know, we've, we've covered gen pop, we've covered lifestyle stuff. We've covered like, you know, our basics of just coaching general people. But when you get to that elite of elite, shit starts getting real fun. For sure. Yeah. Um, and just from, from a time standpoint, uh, I have about maybe like 10 minutes or so, um, awesome. to, to, to go into O2X, you, you said something great before, um, standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, O2X, uh, uh, I wish that I could take credit for creating it, mm-hmm. um, but that would be extremely far from the truth. It was actually founded by three former uh, United States Navy SEALs. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, so they they saw like, hey, there's, there's a space here mm-hmm. um, for people like us when we were in the service um, where more can be done for Mm -hmm. their nutrition, Mm -hmm. their fitness Mm -hmm. and training, um, their mental health. Um, So how can we go about doing that? And they just kind of, you know, took it and ran with it. And I've been fortunate to be with them for, uh, I want to say coming up on a couple of years now um, as one of their nutrition specialists. And um, uh, I want to say last year I was, one of the the top two specialists because we have specialists in nutrition mm-hmm. uh in sleep in yep. physical fitness right and, and sweating and movement and all that um we'll have specialists who teach yoga to these men and women um mental resilience these are all things that were topics that we're covering with these elite of elite athletes <clears throat> um and for me it's an amazing opportunity to just educate them give them actionable items uh mm-hmm. our main thing at o2x is one percent right like mm-hmm. get one percent better yes every day or at least as often as you can we know not every day is going to be the same progress, um, not perfection progress not perfection right um so how can we get these i mean some of these people will kill you in the snap of their fingers kind of thing <laughs> yeah you know yeah. um so helping them have this mental acuity, right? Uh, uh, marksmanship uh, mm-hmm. when they're when they're shooting, um, and and understanding that they're also human, mm-hmm. right? So there's still the health component. They're still they're still susceptible to BS that they hear on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference now is that they have someone like myself who can kind of decipher this for them, who understands yes. the research and all of that. And I can help them understand like, Hey, you don't need to take this supplement. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this is what we know so far about peptides. Mm-hmm. Um, and even something that, that I think everyone can agree on is uh, muscle preservation and longevity. These are all things that some of these women and men just, they don't, they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, I think sometimes for obvious reasons, they're, I don't know, too busy making sure that we're okay. Yeah. Um, yep. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's just so awesome what we do uh, at O2X because it's, it's helping the, the top of the top. It's, help, it's, it's my way of serving, right? I, I was yeah. having a conversation with some of these guys one time. It was a group of, I think it was maybe like 10 guys. And I was like, you know, I never served in the military. Um, but man, it's like, I've always been uh, patriotic and like, I, I, I love my country and, and all yeah. these things. Um, and he said something that was pretty cool. So for this to come from someone who was a top person in the military service, he was like, well, thank you for what you do because you helping us is 
how you serve. So you, you are serving your country. And I was like, hell yeah, like that, that validation to mm-hmm. me was great, you know? Um, so yeah, so just being able to have that impact um, and it's all throughout the United States. So from the yeah, army awesome. to the Navy, uh, it's, it's a great program. And is, is it, um, is it, is it one-to-one delivery or is it more like educational, like workshops where you come together, you meet them, present to all of them at once, kind of like more like workshoppy kind of things or. I'd say it's a, it's a mix. Uh, for the mm-hmm. most part, we're doing workshops. Yeah. The, just for the most part, but it's cool because they do get to, I like to give them a good bit of Q and a time. Yeah. Um, so in that Q and a time, they're able to ask questions and we build a very comfortable atmosphere for them. Yeah. Um, so, but there have been several times when it's been one-on-one sit downs and obviously there we can really dive deep into, all right, what are you trying to do and and get into all these things? Yeah. That's unreal. Do you you find, and like, you know, again, we could sit here for four hours without both our love of performance and nutrition and training. Um, Do you find, do you find, the like a common theme of misconceptions or bs or bro science even at the elite level similar to like your gen pop like you know do you actually understand protein breakdown or you know good carbohydrate sources or you know do they have the same sort of misconceptions as even the gen pop because obviously like a, a quick ramble i guess is like coming from a background of sport i know that i i was amongst athletes that the coach said x they did x there was no like go do the extra research or go to the, they just drilled it and you know there was guys where they would get a couple of supplements before the game take those off you go don't ask the coach what they are don't ask the the trainer what they are not saying they're illicit or bad just more so these things go in you drink and go play i'm gonna Mm -hmm. assume at some point these same commando level elite performance guys are at the point click and shoot kind of degree where it's like you tell me to do this this gets done yeah i'd say uh perhaps the majority are, are going to be that way yeah. um, where, where they're willing to do it. It might not be their natural way of doing things, um, but they're willing to, I mean, shoot, they're in the military, yeah. um, you know? So to an extent, yeah. Oftentimes they're, they're just kind of like, yeah, just tell me what to do and, and do it. Um, although in a lot of the workshops that I do, it is very conversational. It's very kind of like, I, uh, I kind of push the, 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 this idea of, of balance of certain mm-hmm. things of not necessarily having to be extreme, you know, all in or all out. Yep. Uh, and obviously that it takes more than just one session of like a group session to do that. But some of these men and women actually make that change there. And that's the kind of personality that they have. They're like, okay, they hear this and they're like, Oh, this is all that I have to do. I can balance it out instead of all, always having to stress about everything has to be like this, you know, just chicken and broccoli and having some yeah. rice and whatever else. Um, so it's cool to see that. And then when I see them in the future and they're like, Hey, you know, like things have been good this and that, like, you know, let me share my blood work with you. Cause I, I look at their blood work and all that stuff. Yep. Um, but to answer your question from before, they are just as susceptible to BS yeah. as the rest of the population. Um, it's one of those things. If someone says something um, with enough conviction, yeah, it, someone is going to believe it, right? Uh, one of my my mentors uh, told me that one time, Dr. Douglas Kalman. He's one of the founders of ISSN. 
he said to me, it was like, you know, if people say something with enough conviction, yeah, they, they they're gonna convince someone, even if they're completely wrong. And unfortunately, <clears throat> that's some of the stuff that we hear on podcasts, yes. on the internet. Um, so these men and women from the elite of the elite uh, armed forces, they're susceptible to this too, you know. Yeah, it just, like reinforces the craziest part to me is that they are such lethal weapons, but still human that they can be, yeah. you know, susceptible to the same mistakes or hiccups or problems that we can have Karen down the road go through. For sure. Without a doubt. And that's, I think all of that is humbling too, yeah, because absolutely. at the end of the day, we're all the same or we're all not that really different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's in, in, in life and going about things. I, I, introspectively i try to give myself credit for like being where i'm at and mm -hmm. and getting to where i've gotten because everything takes work yeah, i've had sure. an amazing support system in my parents my brother amazing friends mentors just experiences even former bosses that ended up being horrible people but yeah. i still learned from them um and so it's this balance internally of like the humble reminder of I ain't shit kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we, we all, we're all not really that different kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, there's nothing special about me mm -hmm. and I'm one of a kind. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's, it's being able to do that in this, in this world of, of nutrition and fitness and, and misinformation and good information and just kind of keeping ourselves humble but giving ourselves credit too for even just running the race you know yeah yeah like there's there's a, a power to almost a responsibility that comes with the power of the knowledge but also not being so caught up in the ego and the arrogance of thinking that you're the knowledge expert on everything and that you're you know top dog of the of the one percent and everyone has to listen to you um not you personally just more so as like you know in a generality sense that that responsibility to be ethical in how we approach our knowledge and I guess also to be humble enough to know that we have a lot more to learn and we will continue to learn. And someone's probably going to come up and learn more than us. For sure. That was very well put. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Mate, I'm, uh, I'm going to talk you off for another four hours. If we, if we don't interrupt, and I don't want to hold you up any further, but um, I, I genuinely appreciate your time and effort and just jumping up early. It's at 6 a.m. over there, I think, or it was 6 a.m. when we started. So thank yeah. you very much for, for giving me your time. It's... Um, yeah, it's very humbling. And I, I muchly appreciate it uh, as, as much as I can possibly put it. Um, before we go, I guess like like one thing to, you know, we kind of touched on a few times with like BS and, and, and myths. What, what would you say is uh, your, like without even explanations, your top three myths in America that you find are like, these have got to change. These are killing me. Yeah. Um, well, for sure. One of them is that protein is bad or eventually bad. Um, yep. yep. The, the second one, uh, speaking of another macronutrient is that carbs are the worst thing for us and yep. we have to completely eliminate them. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I say that the, the third one, and this is just me kind of quickly narrowing them down because they're, God, there's just so many, which by the <laughs> yeah. way, I'm, I'm happy to hop on and continue the conversation. Um, you know, I, I'm, there's probably topics that we haven't talked about, but, um, I'm happy to coordinate, uh, and definitely a big thank you to you and, and Brooklyn and for, for having me. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, so I'm more than willing to, to do this again. Um, 
The third one is just about supplements, uh, either thinking that they're necessary or thinking that they're useless. Yes. Um, yes. And <laughs> so th- that's, th- those are three big ones, right? Protein is going to kill your bones and kidneys and yep. it's horrible for children. And it's like, whoa, what are you giving your children to eat and drink? Um, <laughs> then of course, carbs and the demonization of carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like shocked when they hear that vegetables are carbs. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? What's fine? <laughs> <laughs> it's a complex uh, starch. Then, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a wild world out there. Um, and then of course supplements, you know, supplements, they, uh, they get the the crap end of the stick oftentimes. And then they also get touted as, yeah. you know, necessary and the most amazing things. And it's like with most I things, see. the answer is going to be somewhere in the middle. I spent five years uh, working for a supplement company in Australia and mm-hmm one of the biggest problems I always had was copying slack that we were selling poison and fake and blah, blah, blah. And like the real extreme evidence-based crowd in Australia were like, you guys are scumbags. I'm like, actually, most of the people that come in here, I end up changing their life with a simple thing like getting some more protein in or have some creatine or here's some fish oil or here's a, a vitamin of some sort that's very just simple. Don't have to sell you $500 worth of stuff, but there is there are things that work and they have a place. Like no diet is perfect. It's why it requires supplementation. For sure. Agreed. Yeah. I actually just wrote an article for, for O2X on supplementation and just, you know, talking about that they're, uh, they're supplemental to our diet. They're not, you know, instead of the replacements and yada, yada and all that stuff. But yeah. Oh, I love this. Even at the, even at the, the branch of level that you're at, we have such like a, a similar thought process around a lot of these things that just get caught up as BS or people try to polarize and hypersexualize and sound fancy with. Yep. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see, right? Because at the end of the day, like I said, we're, we're all not really that different. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Again, mate, thank you very much. I will not hold up you any longer than I will. Otherwise we'll be here all day. Uh, all night <laughs> uh, but again, thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll no doubt be in touch um, either to catch up when we're in the States or to have another chat, hopefully sometime soon and keep it going. Yeah, please. Hopefully both, right? If, uh, if you're ever out here, it'd be awesome to, to be able to see we're coming you. Over, we're coming over August to the East Coast. Okay, awesome. Nice. Yeah, please stay in contact. And uh, I hope to get to Australia, hopefully sometime soon. Um, and again, I'm more than happy to to chat again uh, for the podcast and talk about other things that we didn't get to today. I appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Sure thing.